Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Property Roadshow, a podcast. Uh, however, you're meant to access this recording today. I've got James from Method Insurance with us today. And one of the things that it was important to get James here is to talk about commercial property insurance because there's significant differences between residential and commercial property insurance. And a lot of times people have it wrong or forget to insure for some things and get the or feel that the tenant should be responsible for one thing and then they shouldn't be responsible for the other. I can tell you the amount of times that uh, we've actually taken over or bought properties where the tenant's responsible for building insurance and then realised the building wasn't insured because the vendor has decided to let the tenant insure the building on their own and the tenant has decided that it's not important. So uh, just to avoid all of this, uh, you should always take out insurance yourself and pass on the cost to your tenant and so that you make sure you've got the right cover. So, James, welcome. Morning, Helen. How are you? Good, good. So, tell us a little bit about your business first up and what are some of the insurances that you do around the commercial property space? Yeah, definitely. No, thanks for having me on today. Um, I suppose just a quick uh, first point of call would be just a general advice warning. So, this is purely just general advice, um, not taking any um, objectives or, or financial situations or anyone's needs into account. So, Please take with what I say with a with a grain of salt. But um, I'm James from Method Insurance Brokers. Uh, we've got an office here on uh, the Sunshine Coast and up in North Queensland in Townsville. And I've been doing uh, insurance for about 17 years now. But when you have kids, it all sort of blurs into into one. <laughs> <laughs> so a long time. So you know the ins and outs of insurance. A little while, yes, yeah, yeah. And you love insurance. I I enjoy um, the the personal contact you have with your clients, and sometimes arguing with insurers can be a little bit of fun as well. So, I think that's where um, the benefit is going with someone that's of a big insurance company versus someone who's boutique like James is that they're there actually to help you through your claim and troubleshoot that. Um, I know with our company before previously, a lot of our clients might go to. <coughs> you know, CGO directly or Aon directly. And when it comes to claim lodging, it's a different experience to working with James, who obviously have the experience behind him, but it's a much easier handholding process, which can be really, really stressful for the investor when what we're seeing right now is you know, multiple uh, properties going into flooding, in flood, getting flooded or in flood zones um, around Queensland. Mm. So... The, I suppose, just going back to the other question, the role of an insurance broker. So there's mainly, if you can break it up into three categories, you've got life insurance, health insurance, and general insurance. And I sit under the general insurance banner as a general insurance broker. So my role is to help clients um, understand their risks, um, to find the correct uh, insurance product for them, and uh, to help mitigate their exposures. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, Helen, my role extends to not just finding the right cover for the client, um, but also uh, assisting them when they're at the most vulnerable period, which is a claim when they've had a loss. So my, I'm pretty much there for the client from, um, from the start to the finish uh, and any questions or claims in between, 
I'm there to assist them. Oh, fantastic. So tell us a little bit about what generally people take out when they're buying a, an insurance, uh, when they're buying a, a property. <clears throat> so they buy a commercial property. Let's put two scenarios to you, James. Firstly, uh, they're buying a commercial property, freestanding building. Um, let's just say generally just a freestanding building, say around you know, one, one and a half million, maybe in regional Queensland, maybe fringe Brisbane, doesn't really matter where it's located, so roughly those areas or maybe it's New South Wales, but just roughly a freestanding building. What are some of the insurance things they need to think about? Yep, so I suppose the minimal cover I advise my clients they should be taking out, one is the property damage. So covering the building and the fixtures and fittings within the property itself. Um, the second option that I recommend is the business interruption. And if you have a look at the stats from all the years uh, insurance has been around, people that don't, don't take out the correct or take out business interruption itself generally have um, uh, will go out of business um, uh, during the, the claim because there's no cash flow. So business interruption will cover the client's cash flow, i.e. loss of rent. And the, sec- uh, the third part I recommend a client take out is the liability. So you just want to make sure that your client has the liability cover in place um, should you know their property cause um, injury or uh, other property damage. Um, and then I suppose we can then look at the additional sections. So I also talk to clients about machinery breakdown, whether it be covering uh, insuring air cons or plant at the property. Rent default. Rent default, uh, I was only aware of one insurance company that really offered um, a rent default cover prior to COVID. Post-COVID, um, I haven't had any luck getting the rent default cover through that particular insurance company. So that um, is a bit of a, a issue at the moment. Um, All right, last- so coming back, so just interrupt, just coming back to mm-hmm. this um, business interruption, because right now we're facing some natural disasters. Is that what <laughs> covers the natural disaster? Is something like a flooding mm-hmm. and someone can't operate their business, let's say, you know, a beauty therapist or a hairdresser, so their, their premise has gone under or even, mm-hmm. you know, warehouse dentistry, people, you know, basically can't get access to their to, to you know, to their business premise. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to stop paying rent because under the lease there is that abatement clause and a natural disaster clause. Um, is that where business interruption kicks in for the property owner? Exactly right. So um, obviously the tenant has their own insurance and would have their own business interruption cover. And as we were discussing earlier, flood insurance is not automatic on commercial property. So you've got to actually add it on. Once you add flood cover onto the property damage section, you know, i.e. the building, um, it then also automatically uh, is incorporated into the business interruption section. So if uh, looking at the recent flood examples, if your property was flooded and you had taken out uh, flood insurance, um, obviously the cleanup cost for your property and the building will be covered. But then looking at the rental income side, your tenant is unable to continue trading from your premises because it's going to take a few weeks or months to actually repair your property to be back to a usable condition. So during those weeks or months, whilst uh, your tenant is no longer paying rent, um, the policy will cover the loss of income to the property owner, i.e. the uh, the rental income less the GST amount. Okay, well that's that's really that's really interesting and really mm. reassuring to know because that's where most I think that's where most investors come yeah you know, come under strife or starts to panic because they worry mm. that you know, they've got mortgages to pay and 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 always got mortgages to pay then they've got all these outgoings now that's going out and mm. they've got no income coming from the rents. 
And I suppose it's just also important to point out business interruption for a property owner isn't overly expensive. Um, it's actually, when you look at the total cost of the insurance policy, it's one of the cheapest sections there. So it really makes sense to just include it on there. Uh, during the current, I suppose, um, I'm not sure if you call it post COVID, um, but during COVID at the moment, uh, there is a lot of issues around the construction industry. Um, so we generally uh, will look at a 12 month business interruption um, cover indemnity period. Um, I've been recommending to my clients probably for the last two years have taken out at least an 18 month uh, indemnity period. So once the uh, incident occurs, you know you've got 18 months to rebuild your property and you've got 18 months to uh, for you know, I suppose, having that steady income coming in from your insurance policy. Yeah, okay, that's, that's really great. And I think you mentioned also then going on to machinery breakdown. So <laughs> I think some of the things that also impacts uh, investors or landlords is that they may, say, for example, have a warehouse with cool rooms in there or a restaurant premise that has cool rooms. Now, it could belong to the tenant, but quite a fair bit in what we do and what we found is that the cool room or part of some of the fit-out actually is vendor installed or, or landlord installed, so it belongs to the landlord even though the tenant has a right to use. Now, in a situation like this, it could be flooded, it could be not usable. So how does that machinery break down? How does that work? Yep. Um, <clears throat> if it was due to a insured peril such as flood, storm, cyclone, fire, etc., um, all your air cons, all your cold room, um, including the motors, are covered under the property section. So when you insure your building, you need to make sure it incorporates all those extras uh, that are attached to your property as well. Um, when we're talking about specifically machinery breakdown, um, I always tell my clients to check the lease first to see who is responsible. But if it happens to be our client that's responsible, the property owner, um, I'll uh, recommend that they take out the machinery breakdown section. Um, and what you want to make sure is the value that you insure it for is going to cover what you have there. Um, with insurance companies, you can take out, I suppose, uh, multiple options for um, a, a sum insured. Um, if they've got a cold room in the property, usually that can be a bit more expensive than, a, for example, say a split system. Um, or ducted air cons are a lot more expensive than split systems. So it all depends on what they have at the property is which way I'll go under a business pack policy where we include the building, the, li uh, the liability and the business interruption. We can include another section, machinery breakdown. But if you've got some expensive items there, for example, a ducted system might be worth fifty dollars to $100,000 to replace if it did break down. Uh, we might look at a specialized standalone machinery breakdown policy, which would be through a particular insurance company, would be separate to your uh, business pack insurance policy. So I think this is, comes to an interesting point. So sometimes when you have a freestanding building, it's actually really straightforward. So you, you have, you know, you've got your three points that you've covered, which is, you know, your public, li you know, your liability, your, um, your business interruption, your general, so your building into the property mm -hmm. insurance, and then maybe, you know, machinery breakdowns and a few bits and pieces. So that, that's pretty straightforward. But yep. what happens when someone actually buys strata property, like a strata unit, and it's really... The tenants done the fit out, and they probably provided a warm shell, which is uh, most likely a some flooring, some blinds. Maybe there's a kitchenette that belongs to them, with sort of a little hot water system, and potentially, obviously, aircon in the building. 
is there insurance they need to get out for that or what does strata actually cover yep so there's no real i suppose uh, cookie cutter approach to that situation there's three entities involved at the end of the day you've got the you got the body corporate you've got the tenant and you've got the unit owner so already it's a little bit messy from an insurance world to work out who's responsible for what um, all we can advise is for our clients to make sure they protect their assets and don't rely on other people's policies. There'll always be some cover under a body corporate policy for the unit owner. Um, but again, uh, depending on which insurer the body corporate is through or what they actually want covered, um, it may not uh, be enough for the uh, unit owner. So we always recommend what two things. One is ensure your asset, but what have you actually spent on the property yourself? What fixtures and fittings have you installed that the that wasn't there when you've bought the property or that the tenant is not responsible for? And that's generally just a starting point what we can go off um, moving forward. But again, it, it, it really works back to what we discussed about the, the, the freehold title is you want to make sure you've got your property covered, your liability, your business interruption, and again, the machinery breakdown. But there's no, as I said, there's no cookie cutter approach to it. It's it's really you got to delve in and, and work out um, who's responsible for what, which can be a bit tricky sometimes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I think that the strata ones, often people go, oh, well, I probably don't need insurance. And most of the time they don't if the tenants did a full fit out, especially mm. if they buy a warehouse. But when they come to office spaces, that's where they are. Well, what should we be insuring for? And then a split system in an office space could be 20, 30, or sometimes 100,000. Mm. Yeah, and then and then looking at the type of um, ducted system or aircon system in there, um, you know, as you said, it could be a hundred thousand dollars. If it is more expensive, that's where um, I will tell my client we need a bit more information. The insurance companies, when they're insuring for something that much, they want to know how old is it, and the manufacturer, and also a maintenance schedule as well. And once I have all that, I can then go out to the market and get some uh, insurance options for them. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Now, just take me through the claims pro um, process, right? If someone who's your client, um, just say now that's happening in this disaster, they, they know that their property is flooded and they yep. call you up. What happens from there? Like you must be having a really busy period at the moment with them calling yeah. up. They're like, oh, my phone's flooded. Yeah. Um, I suppose the most claims, um, the biggest claims I'm seeing at the moment so far is just roof leaking. Um, but my, I suppose my role is uh, I am the first point of call. I'm available 24-7 for my clients um, if they have any incidents because obviously claims or um, damages don't just occur between nine and five. It happens during all hours. So I'm always available for my clients. But my first point is just to make sure that they're right, make sure that um, they know the process of what I'm about to do and just to keep that communication up with them and the insurance company to make sure everything flows through. So if any sort of damage has happened to my property, my first question is what can we do to mitigate further risk, further exposure? So if it is, for example, a roof leak, you might want to get a builder up onto the roof and put a tarp on there to stop further resulting damage from coming through. If it's a flood, it's a bit different, you know, open all the windows, doors up, um, but I'll explain to the client what they need to do to mitigate their exposure. Then, then my next role is just to uh, give the insurance company a call, probably spend a fair bit of time on hold, waiting to get through to them because that's what I do for the clients. It saves them having to do it. And then I just lodge the claim and get the advice from the insurance company, which again is try and mitigate your exposure as much as possible. And then let's get an assessor or a builder out there to actually work out what is damaged, what is salvageable, and uh, how to move forward the quickest possible way. 
And then I guess you manage that all the way through. Do you manage that process all the way through repairs and all of those updates that happen? I manage it all the way through to the client has the money in their account or the tenants back in the property um, or a tenant is back in the property. Um, and then that's when I finally close my claim once I get the final advice from the insurance company. So I'm there from start to finish. I'm the main contact for the client um, and the insurance company and the assessor and sometimes even the builders. So um, I'm sort of just, uh, it, when, it, when it comes to the, uh, from an insurance broker perspective, you know, it's um, having the experience there is uh, really important because the lodgement is the most important process when it comes to a claim. Um, you've got to lodge it correctly with the insurance company and you've got to make sure that, you know, the first 24 hours, there's some movement on the policy, otherwise on the claim, otherwise it can just sit there and there's further damage happening to your client's premises, which may, you know, not have occurred otherwise. So the first 24 hours is vitally important. Absolutely. And I think people forget about that because there's so many claims going through, they just you know, let, let it be. And then three months later, still nothing has been done. So yeah. that's definitely happened. So tips for people sort of in insurance what do they do and typically sort of what time do they start getting um, quotes for insurance and, and and everything else yep so obviously it's as important as possible to speak to me as early as possible um, most cases uh, obtaining insurance from my end from the experience i have is quite simple um, most properties are you know block building, iron roof, relatively new age or, you know, in the last 20 years. And the insurance companies, they, they don't mind insuring that. It's when a property is a little bit older um, or it has a tenant in there that um, might be a, a slightly higher risk than the usual. That's where we need a longer time to um, go out to the market and obtain, you know, possibly valuations, building and pest reports, um, those sort of information for the insurance companies to then quote on. So I suppose if someone's looking at purchasing property, feel free to have a chat to me first and I can let you know whether I think it's going to be a simple process or a long process. And then I'll put some steps in place with the client to make sure that they have this by this date and that by that date. So by the time the bank requires a certificate of currency, um, we will we'll have all that sorted out and there's no delay because of the insurance process. But I suppose one thing I think you do, Helen, and, and I'm doing myself more and more is just trying to remind clients that under the contract that to try and put the risk back onto the um, back onto the the seller, um, and, which allows our client some more time to review the insurance and make sure it's right by the time the settlement occurs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that um, you know when we first this was quite a few years ago that um, we were buying property in Townsville, they were just basically telling us, well, we can't get you insurance right now because we can see the cyclone coming through. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had no choice but put it back to the vendor because and, it was and, just we couldn't. And that's happening at the moment. I was trying to do a renewal this morning and uh, there's an embargo in place. So I've had to refer it back to the insurance company, say, hey, guys, you know, this is not a new business. We're not endorsing it. We're just trying to get renewals sorted out for our client. And they've got to manually refer uh, review it. And send it back to me. So there are embargoes in place around Australia at the moment. And if the embargo is in place, it's almost impossible to get some form of uh, property insurance, whether it be vehicle or, uh, or, or property. 
Yeah, so look, definitely for guys, if you guys out there listening to this, is it definitely pays to, you know, drop James a line or email us and we give a referral for, for James regarding what you need in terms of referral and terms and also what you need for your building insurance. Always right to get the correct ones and then to make sure you update it every year uh, because it's one of those things that sits in a drawer and you never actually access it until you actually have something that happens. So, um, look, James, if they want to contact you, obviously we're going to drop your information below the contact of your, your contact details plus your email plus um, the website as well, guys. So, you know, it's that it's in the information below, whether you're looking at it, a podcast or a, a YouTube, um, it's all in the information. But, James, just a quick recap of how they can, what's the best way to reach out to you. Uh, best way would be either by my mobile or um, email uh, or website. But my, do you want me, do you want me to give my mobile over now? Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my mobile is 0404850281 or my email is james at methodinsurance.com.au. Feel free to drop me a line, even if you're just uh, not, don't even know which property you're purchasing, whether you're just looking at buying property uh, through Helen. Um, just give me a call and I can give you some pointers of what to look out for um, and uh, let you know, you know, timelines on, on how simple it could be. Yeah. And remember, look, uh, insurance is very individual. We can give you the general advice of what it is. And this is what today's about, just to, to let you know what you really, what the difference is and some of the things to highlight those three important things. And when you're looking at strata, what are some of the things you need to ensure? If you are our client, we'd obviously walk you through that process. You talk to James and we sort of, during due diligence, might be certain things that we, we find, like, you know, the cool room all of a sudden belongs to you and doesn't belong to the tenant, which often we find these things that happen to belong to you that we thought belong to the tenant um aircon that the tenant has some of them that the tenant has installed but some of them uh, have been yours that could be issues um things that may need to be replaced so some of these things will flag with you but again you know you can reach out to me at helentarrant.com uh drop me a line from there or my email address will just pop up here on um, on screen and then you know you've got james's information my information do reach out do find out more about insurance because you in this when we're in Australia and we say that, you know, you're either fire prone, uh, you're fire prone, cyclone or um, flood prone. So the chances are somewhere in your life of an investor, you are going to need to lodge a claim. So please make sure that, and this is why we're here today to, to show that to you. So guys, until next time, drop us a line, comment, let us know what else you want us to, to cover. And um, if you haven't registered for our bootcamp, our bootcamp links is just coming up now. So register for that. And it's also in below. And uh, we will see some of you on Sunday and uh, we'll see you on guys on the next episode. Thank you. And bye for now. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.